and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. I'm Yanina Doyle. I'm Jonathan Kleeman. And we're joined by H. H, welcome to this wonderful podcast. Cheers, thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Is it H just like Madonna? Like it's just a one name, you've gone for one letter? No, it's a sort of a marketing strategy, really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> probably the same for Madonna. Probably the same for, so probably same for Madonna. No, this is my first initial. Yeah. So then it's just keep it simple. No, you so. do actually have a full name, right? Yes. Do we and want to tell people what your full name is? Do we want to? It's entirely for you, but that was that was a very concerned so. face. That, I don't know. I don't know. If we'll, I kind of almost need... like the idea of keeping. No, let's it keep it secret. Let's keep it secret. I mean, yeah. If people want to know what you look like, they've got to come find you. They, yeah, it's like a challenge. And where, and where can they find you? In Wapping Lane and Wapping Wines, number one hundred and one, <laughs> where, where we're recording today. That sounded really like very American, you know, the way you, you introduced that. But yes, so you, this is your. We are in your store, your independent wine shop. Mm -hmm, that's correct. How yeah. long have you been around? It'd be seventeen years in October. It's a long time. Yes, it's, it's like a sentence. And how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, into 17 years of whopping. Yeah, so a lot of yeah, changes. But it's, not, it's not the worst thing to have a life sentence surrounded by booze and wine, is it? And sweets. There is sweets as well. There is. You, there is you were really impressed with that, weren't yeah, you, I was John? Impressed with sweets. If anybody who comes in um, uh, and, and wants a perfect wine pairing with. <laughs> also, I've never, I've never been around. Some <laughs> Chocolate with wine infused as well. Yeah. What have you got? Chocolate. Chocolate. I've never been somewhere where a man keeps bringing things out from underneath his counter. Okay, like there's seriously. an endless, so, yes. endless supply of interesting stuff coming out from this counter. This is serious. Anyone who comes into Wapping Wines, please do and chat with H. He's definitely a character. You're going to see as we as we uh, crack on. But ask him to pull stuff out from underneath <laughs> the counter because there's a lot of goodies. We've had a 75 comp just brought out. Now suddenly there's wine infused chocolate. I'm I'm intrigued to see what else is down there. To be honest, I've it's seen a, a few other things, <laughs> but it depends on how special you are. I, I know think, it's I think a level have... level of mm -hmm. level of you've got to get in the know. There's like a club level, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. So when customers do come in, it sort of surprises them. They think, "Oh, this is." A, I didn't expect this. <laughs> and then uh, when they pull their credit cards out and they purchase it, it's even better. You are like the international man of mystery for the wine world, right? I've been told so, but <laughs> <laughs> I just do what I just go along with. You know, just what I think's right. Rolling with the punches. So, what's our theme today, H? You pick the theme. Um, I was going for a Tempranillo. Right? Yeah, which I'm really excited about because I said to you when we did a, the very small podcast, um, John, we did a bit about, and I managed to open up a bottle of Albarino. We have not done any Spanish wine themes. No, we haven't at all. No one's, no one's picked Spanish, so the Tempranillo so is a good shout to, to dive in. Yeah. So, of course, you know, we all pick Spanish. No, we haven't. <laughs> which makes it exciting. Yes. But okay, so I have a question. So, Tempranillo, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, is such a. Is, it, on its own, it's actually, in theory, quite a neutral, great variety, hence why it blends well, and you really have to get the right site selection to get very good Tempranillo. However, I personally love 100% Tempranillo. I think there's, which we're going to, we're going to try some. Experience. I think oh. also, it's, all, it's, it's a very flexible grape. Yeah. It brings a lot of finesse and it's good for acidity as well in general. It's sort of, I was going to compare it to Sangiovese, really. In the sense I don't of, agree with you. Do you not? No, no, I think okay. Sangiovese has so much more character. I didn't, and that's by the way it's used. But okay. if you look at like as a central region, it's one of the mm -hmm. main regions from both countries. It's used in blends, generally. I mean, Sangiovese does have areas it's not blended, but in general, its biggest areas it's blended. It's the mm -hmm. base of it. So I think that's temporary. I find there's some similarities between the two. H, do you prefer 100% Tempranillo or in blends? I do enjoy 100% Tempranillo myself on my yeah. palate, which I do like. But the blends are great as well. So, what we, but my preference is a. Uh, a straight Tempranillo for my palate. 
No mongrel wine for you, will not you? Enough. Pure thoroughbred. Thorough thorough he's the international wine man of mystery. Does not do, do a mongrel. No, he wants. He wants. He wants a thoroughbred. Oh, no, well, I am going to go and grab my wine from the fridge. It's, it's a, we have finally got some, some sunshine, which is going to last, hopefully, for a while, and it's now making all a red wine. I love you were saying this as we're sitting in a shop with the shutters down, sweating. Like, <laughs> thank God for the sunshine. This, yeah. this is the East End. You'll be everywhere. We go, hello, HR, mate. Or just, you know, all sorts of yeah, uh, languages that are coming by. You're thinking, what's that? We're recording this? <laughs> yeah. I know, we... For American listeners, this is going to get very English. That's what well, if it's going to get very English, have you got a kettle, H? Can we make a cup of tea at the end? No, there's a coffee shop next door, so I'll get you up from there. Right. Well, you know, then, then you're not very British, are you? You know, you need to have a kettle and Yorkshire... Yorkshire... What's the... Oh, come on. Yorkshire hard water. You're no, right. no, what's the, what's the tea brand? God, that, now I, t- I sound terrible. Yorkshire terror. tea? They've got, they've got a special hard water one for their own self, yeah. No. Yeah, special hard water tea bags, yeah. Okay, perfect. So, I have brought uh, 100% Tempranillo. Um, quite excited about this for our natural wine listeners. Obviously, I'm not an advocate of natural wine on itself, but as long as it tastes delicious, then 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 even better. So this is obviously organic, biodynamically farmed. Uh, 75% of the Tempranillo is 80 years or older, so super old vine. Yeah, we mean 80-year-old vines, not 80-year-old wine. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably introduce the wine then, shall I? Um, it's Almate by Alfredo Maestro. Alfredo Maestro is um, basically a kind of a natural winemaker. He's kind of really pushing the movement in Spain, or so I hear. Um, he basically, he was, a, he was a wine geek, and then in the 1990s decided to turn that into actual learning. Yeah. Sat around with like a textbook, um, and followed everything, you know, acidifying, you know, uh, enhancing with colour, using the proper yeasts, doing everything how you're supposed to. And that's why I kind of respect him a little bit, because he didn't just go, oh, I've trained at, you know, whatever university, and now I'm just going to make natural wine because it's cool. He was making it properly, and then said... Are you insinuating a lot of natural wine makers just do it because it's popular and it's cool? Yes, I am. <laughs> I am going to make a very black and white comment here. Yes, many natural winemakers are shit. <laughs> Love it. Wow, you're not holding any punches back today, are you? No, but it's true. And they are giving natural wine a bad name. Anyway, moving back to my beautiful Alfredo here. So over time, he basically said, why am I um, adding, you know, adding in acid? Why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, enhancing the colours? Can I, can I basically take all these components away? And he gradually did. So basically, I think from about 1998 through to 2003, by that point, then everything was kind of made natural. A slow progression. Yeah, and he's basically been hunting out in Ribera del Duero, all these kind of abandoned old vineyards. So of course, hence the hence the old vines. He's also now got some vineyards in Madrid as well. So this, although is in Ribera del Duero, he wants to be free, and I love that as well. And so um, this, actually, if you look on the back, is Vino de la Tierra de Castilla y León. So it's he's he's effectively you know denom de, what's the word um, dean dean whatever. Declassified, declassified himself. Yeah. He's declassified himself. Um, just so he can so bend the rules and do what he likes. Basically, and I like that. So, and this is, of course, with natural wine, four months in old French oak barrels. So there is, you know, it's all about the fruit flavour. What do you think? Very concentrated. Yeah, I'm proud of the concentration for natural wine. Actually, it's very concentrated, but not in a bad way. I just want to point out for the first thing when there is no sulphur added, when it's all wild yeasts when he's not adding or taking any away, this doesn't taste funky. It tastes like fruit. It tastes juicy. It's not sour. You've been drinking the wrong it's natural wines. No. Uh. <laughs> this is a good natural wine. This is, just so people know, this is 14 99 a bottle. 
That's a good price. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you where it's from. I'm going to investigate. Guys, tell me what you think in more detail. I think it's quite simple. Yeah. Ah, not a fan. It's a boring. Yeah. That's because I know what your wine is, and you've got a hell of a lot of. I, I would say I would agree. With I don't. I don't think it's. But I don't think it's trying to be anything else. I don't think it's trying to be complex or over the top. It's obviously not been oaked or anything else. So. Um, it's not trying to be some big bold wine, but it's a very. It's a simple, nice drinking wine. Well made. I think it's yeah, just it's, got... it's easy to drink. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you, not... You'd smash a bottle very quickly. I think it's got lots of fruit character. I think it's got all that kind of typical red cherries, plums and berries. Um... Yeah, red cherries and plums? Where are you getting the plums from? In the, in the wine. You're not getting any plums. <laughs> We're getting very specific. Are you two going to gang up on me today? No, but I'd say, I'd, say, I'd say it's many red fruits. I wouldn't yeah. go plum is a bit of a... I think you're reaching. Am I reaching? I think you're reaching for plum, yeah. <laughs> no, I, re I really like this. I just think it is fresh, it's pure, it's not over the top, and it's going to definitely be a better wine to chill down more yeah, and have in the summer. So for anybody who wants wines that are just all fruit and not... Yeah, this is. I think it's someone who likes just a, night, a, a good fruity red. This is definitely something there. You could definitely, you could definitely you could chill it down as well. Um, yeah, lunch wine. Be a good lunch wine. Um, it's it very not quite a breakfast wine for you? No, it's not quite a breakfast wine. I, I, I lean more to white Chardonnay. I like a breakfast wine. wine. Good Chardonnay, good creamy Chardonnay. Not over the top with a bit of acidity in the morning. Nice. It's a good way to wake up. So this, anyway, for anybody, so quite clearly, you two are not the biggest fan. It's a good, it's a well-made wine. No, no, I think for the price point, I think for the price point, it's very good. I'm not pre it. Great yeah. value. Yeah. Um, this is from Cartwright Brothers. So, and Cartwright Brothers, I think, I don't know if you can buy online, um, but certainly in Borough Market. So always good. Go and, buy, go and eat some truffle, some cheese and some Serrano ham. I can't, I can't go to Borough Market if I'm hungry. I end up spending a fortune on bloody food. It's so expensive. It's not that, it's just I eat so bloody Well, much. no, it, it's so expensive like, if you're going to go and get excited because yeah, there's so yeah. much good stuff there. I found, I found I've all my stuff locally now. Bishop's Store for that London's great. I've got my fishmongers everything now I'm set up. Ah, oh, you don't need yeah, to actually yeah. go into London anymore? Uh, not so much, no. I got live crab the other day. Trying to get that home was a nightmare, but yeah. Did you cook the live crab? Yeah, of course I did. Oh, did it, does it scream? No. Oh, okay. Lobsters like... do that. It's not them, it's the shell. It's the shell that makes noise, they don't scream. So the they, they can tell you boiling water. He's like, I'm freaking mental, he knew. I used to remember when I used to work at a restaurant, they always know, like, when you put the first lobster in, mm. the rest know. Because <laughs> suddenly you hear a lot more polystyrene movement and rubbing immediately. Like, suddenly there's a there's a lot more action. They suddenly, you put the first one in, obviously something they can hear or know happens, and oh, they, no. the rest of them start going, Huh, huh, and start rubbing more. But now this crab, this crab was a little bastard anyway. He was, uh, he was, he was fighting. For, he was, he like tried to rip the box up everything, but he was delicious. As I said, he, was he tastes good. Is it, was it? And I got him for a tenner. Really? Whole crab. Okay. He must have weighed about nearly two kilos. There massive. you go, everybody. There's it's a little plug somewhere in Bishop's. They, so like, it's because I spend so much money on fish there every week. They're oh, like, they they go, they give yeah, you a normally it's sixteen quid, but for you, we do it for a tenner. I'm like, okay, so sixteen pound for a delicious crab. What was, type of crab was it? Uh, brown crab. It's, oh, it's it a brown crab. Yeah, but it's just a big one, full. The whole shell was full. There was no. Uh, sometimes you get them, the shell's quite hollow. Was it one of these fakey? Ones? The problem is, I was so panicked about it dying the next day. I didn't want to go home, so I was up like prepping crab till two a.m. in the morning. I love how domesticated you're becoming. I thought you know, I like cooking. I get really into cooking now. What would we? What would we pair with this? To be honest, I think because it's just so clean and fresh. Actually, I would probably keep it simple with actually some kind of um, charcuterie. Um, it could, um, do soft. I'd do softer cheeses if we had to. Um, I think soft cheese is kind of a good shout. I don't think the acidity is too high, not high enough for charcuterie. I think it's something people forget about with charcuterie. I'd put, I'd put, I think like actual cooked sausage or mm -hmm. like chorizo because the spices would balance it out quite nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think mean, that's like I think actual cooked meat would be better, but like soft cooked meat, pork, 
would be good with this as well. Definitely pork. I think the, the thing is as well, I think with Tempranillo, you have to, that's again why... Tomato base would be good as well. Yeah, okay, well site selection I think is so important because realistically, you know, you need, that's why I think, you know, Rioja, up in Rioja Alta or Alavesa or of course Ribera del Duero where I think actually, I think it does grow really well because you need that diurnal range. You could argue Ribera del Duero is the best place in the world for Tempranillo, I think. I, well, I did I'm sure someone in Rioja now is screaming my name but I still would probably no, argue my, I personally... In Haddle. Uh, Rioja, what are you talking about? No, no. Ribera del Duero, I think, is just simply because you almost... You need it to be hot enough that actually you can accumulate enough sugar because, obviously... I'll also, to contrast that to the only place it's probably a cooler region, for example, with Rioja Alavesa. Mm-hmm. I think actually Alavesa, compared to the rest of Rioja, I actually prefer because I think you get a more elegant style of Tempranillo. Yeah. And they are doing more single varietals, so 100% Tempranillo, 100% Ganache or Ganache. Um, and also 100% white Tempranillo, which well, obviously is becoming a bigger thing. Ah. Nice. I really like my white Tempranillo. And that's, so you're talking about good value whites with a lot of character? White Tempranillo is amazing. I think it's actually, ironically, it's got a lot of character I've for never a white tasted one. it. Have you not? But I think there's, I mean, there's a lot going on. They're cheap as well, and they're fantastic. We, you know, have, so, for those who don't know, white Tempranillo happened um, by accident. It was just a natural mutation. And you discovered it happened in quite a few different vineyards at the same time. As so they had to apply to the Rioja board and go, hey, look, can we please use this in our wine? It's only happened in Rioja, as far as we know. Um, and eventually said, yes, cool, you can use it. And so more and more producers are using it. It's quite common in Rioja La Vesa and a few other parts of Rioja. And it makes fantastic, cheap white wine because it's good yield, good production. Obviously, Tempranillo is in general. But presumably most of this Tempranillo uh, Blanco is, is quite a simple, like kind of more just fruity green apple Tempranillo. No, um, no it's oak. a bit more complex than you think. No, 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 oak, no oak. It's a very simple fruit. Simple, but, yeah. fresh, fresh. For, but it's got good acidity great fresh wine mm. and for its price point I just can't really think of anything in that area where I would say beats it interesting then that the acidity on the white the mutation is probably much higher naturally than the I think it's just when you I think it's when, I think it's when you pick it though you don't yeah. end up trying to go for as much ripeness so I think that's also what affects it where you obviously the temperature you want the polyphenols to um, soften you're trying to go for that element with the white temperature you're not going you for that you're going for freshness that. So it's a complete different to the normal white wine, you'd ex- classic white wine of Rioja. Talking of our, you know, um, wine lessons, uh, Tempranillo comes from the word temprano, early, so it's an early ripening grape. Oh, look at you, just, just, you just getting your big wine dick out now, aren't you? My wine dick has got out, yeah. I have put it on the counter. Yeah. Me, me and Hayes should both look at each other that look of like, we can fucking unprepared to this. <laughs> <laughs> I was, be, was going to say the same thing, it comes from tempera, which is right I'm so early. sorry. No, no, it's all good. No, no, would you like to... No, you you like no, 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 it's good now, because I, I can learn about other bits as well, go on, so. <laughs> well, like there's, there's a lot of gesticulating with that. There's some genuine heat that, out. That was another one that was coming, going to come out of the counter. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> mean, what, no, you mean your wine dick was going to come <laughs> out on the counter. No, I'll leave that bottles. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so that's what temp, um, uh, Tempranillo is for. So it, it, it's, it has quite a relatively short speaking. Speaking, speaking of H's wine dick, how, how H did you end up in whopping wine? How did you end up in the wine trade? Well, <clears throat> I looked at it as, what commodity is going to make me money all year round? <laughs> I looked at alcohol. Are you, so, you're kind of like the Floyd Mayweather of wine, aren't you? You're kind of like money, money, money. No, not really. <laughs> not really. If you look, if you look around, it's, there's quality rather than quantity. No, no, definitely. I tell you, for what I'd call like in a non in a non negative way, a quite small wine shop. Mm. I think it's reasonable to say the, the quality of the shelf is really, really high. Um, mm. Everything from the spirits. You know, I'm not looking at anything cheap here. We're looking at Blue Label Johnny Walker in my eyeline at the moment. Some really the good. Ghost and rare. Some really good small um, selection of gins. And then uh, I think wine wise as well, like Billy Cart Sam seems to be main champagne shelf, which I'm massively pro. Mm-hmm. So uh, a really good shelf. And Cuvée Rare, and I actually, I actually got to go visit um, Pied Pied Tig, and Cuvée Rare is one of the best champagnes in the market. It is 
very overlooked because unfortunately Pipeite does end up sometimes being considered low value. But you know, the winemaker Rue there has actually won, um, I think, 10 out of 11 years, he won Best Sparkling Winemaker in the World. The one year he didn't win it was actually his protege. Charles Heidegger won it. So Cyril Brin just won it. Uh, last uh, two weeks ago, yeah, and he's, he's the one maker for the Charles Hartek, and he was Regis Commissus Understudy. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a very underrated wine. So if you're going to look for a quality wine, you're in a whopping area. I definitely recommend coming in. And see, that's my belief. So it's not all about sometimes with money what people say that like, I could have the cheaper brand to kill to kill the volume, but it's not about that. The cheapest wine I sell is a ten pound wine. I think I think that's, I think for good quality. I mean, obviously, I, I run a wine merchant as well, and that's about our baseline as well. You know, I'm not trying. Well, you two are like, no, but I don't, I don't think if you're, if you're going for a quality place and people want to trust in you, there's no point trying to compete with supermarkets at the seven, oh, eight gosh, pound yeah. level because you're not going to sell anything good. There isn't anything good at that level. I tell you now, unless you find a real bargain or a steal or something that got sold off on the cheap, you're never going to find a wine that will be on a good wine shelf for ten pound or less. For let, maybe nine at a push, but anything under that, you're not going to find anything that's worth drinking. Yeah, see, so just like now when you said you went to Bishop's Store and bought the crab, they gave you a deal. Um, it's the same philosophy I have with my customers. For ten pound, I'll do them a deal if they're buying two. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, you get to know your your good clientele and stuff like that. And I've done the same thing. We've done some deals on glass and stuff like that. We extended it for customers like that because they didn't want to buy in the day. I'm like, come back in. I know you're going to come back in anyway. So Mm. there's a lot of looking after people as well. But it's, uh, but trying to race to the bottom is never the best way. I think in the wine world, or trying to fight over that seven pound Pinot Grigio is just pointless. I say to people, go to the supermarket. Is that your bill? I've had that when people request wines. I'm like, you can order this wine on Amazon. They're like, but can I get for you? I'm like, there's really no point me buying this in. And selling it to you at a much higher price, just go buy it from Amazon. Just go do it. I'm not going to take your money off you for no reason. And, and that's what I did. I tried to you know, stay with like, more small wineries, more family owned, and it, mm, got the whole passion around it. I just look at you know the best produced. Yes, yeah. so working well. So I'm a stockist for many of the brands as well. That's good. That's good. So when did so when, you started 17 years ago? Yes, that's correct. And it was your first wine business? Yeah. And I didn't know nothing. I still don't know nothing. But <laughs> no, the more you know about wine, the less you know. The less you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I looked at it. So I started off with the basics, and I just learnt as I went along. And uh, now friends with some of the winemakers as well. But I think that's what I'd to say to anyone who's getting into the wine trade. People get really scared of the idea of being around people who know all this information. You know, go around and meet master, master wine, master and you think, oh my god, they know so much. And this, it doesn't mean it doesn't stop you getting into it. Um, it most of the time, I think the wine world generally is quite welcoming. Um, and I think it shouldn't. You will still end up. I think one of the first ones I ever taught in my lessons um, was um, someone. Everyone in this room will probably know something about wine that you will not. That's and that was a master of wine who said that. We was, all have was, um, a speciality, don't we? Something. There's always some. Or we come from a country that someone doesn't know. Or we know something about that area specifically. You know, mm-hmm. we're in a room for a load of people from different nationalities. You might have studied Argentina all your life. We might study Spain all your life. But he might be from one little region of Spain that no one's really gone and visited. Yeah, and there's two great varieties there that no one knows about. Um, and that was um, oh, I'm trying to think of his name now uh, um, David Bird who writes the, the big book for Master of Wine he said that when my first wine lessons he goes everyone in this room someone here will know some other wine that I don't know or you don't know I think it's a really that's important a nice, thing to keep, keep your mind nice. open you know, someone can walk in and know nothing about wine but it might know one thing you don't know so you should always listen to them yeah always listen Oh, I'm a deep believer of that. So even when I have winemakers in the store, I go to dinners or like with Chef de Garde when they come into my store, I say, look, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm telling you what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. So just because it might say this on a label, whatever, I'm not. I'm telling you what I'm getting, and it works. And it's it's it's, fa- it's fantastic. It's nice to get postcards from the winemakers as well. Yeah, it's always a nice touch. I've had that when they follow me. It's like it's always like a nice little. You know, you've really got hit a chord with someone when they still worry about where you're working now or keeping up with you, and not just trying to sell you wine for a change. Yeah, like when I had. Um, 
Brian Bignall from Mahi Wines from New Zealand. He come in, and a week later, I had a card, a postcard, and we was like, oh, uh, it was fantastic. And also old-fashioned postcards, you know, not actually sending a text or Instagram. Oh, nice. But actually, sending oh, that's nice. It's a good postcard. Actually, we are unfortunately sorry you can't see this. Uh, people listening, we've been sent now the we postcard are, collection. We are we're seeing the postcard selection of all the winemakers that have sent him letters. Very nice. <laughs> I think my best one is actually shout out to Astrolab. Um, they they do um, she, the, the lovely lady who owns there. She does amazing ones. So they actually take their, their Christmas and send them out, the and they take their actual wine label and then they've redesigned the wine label with little elves and Santa Claus and everything on there and oh, reindeer. But like all taking off and bits from the label, it's really clever. So I get one of those every year, which is lovely. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's like a really nice touch. Yeah, it's, it's a smooth touch. Awesome. Yeah. So H, I've opened up your wine now. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it so everyone can get this here right in the shop? Talk about it first, what you think when, you, when you're tasting the wine, you and, and John, see what you get in. And, uh, For me, this is a powerhouse. See, that's, that's negotiating. He's like, no, I'm gonna let you tell me what you think first and I'll tell you why you're wrong. No, <laughs> I'll see how your palates work and get the vibe of what you think. No one's ever wrong. Yeah, didn't you learn that from what you just said? I didn't say no one's ever wrong. Some, I said someone's notion you don't know. Something to contribute. Plenty of people are wrong. <laughs> some people just have bad taste. If anyone's ever done a master smelling exam, you know you can definitely be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) See, what I find interesting about this one, for me, I mean, this is... I I instantly thought this might be coming from Rioja, and I thought it would be, like, maybe a reserve, or it's very, um, almost a bit inky, it's almost a bit of toffee, it's very tobacco-like. It it feels like, you know, it's very masculine. It shows a lot of that tempo evolution that I would expect. Yes. But, from just looking at the bottle... First of all, this is only three months in oak, which I think is very little. But I, I think there must be a lot of new oak in yeah, there. Okay. There has to be. It, do you know? But that also shows a sign that a, that's a grape that obviously was very robust in beginning to take and the new oak. And must have been really, really ripe. But also, I love how we're, we're like talking about the one that you brought. This is from basically La Mancha. Oh really? So ironically. Nice surprise really, look on your face. Hey, just gave that like glorified that, that kind of. Uh, oh, something the right word now. You yeah, that look of uh, vindictive. No, Victor, I, victorious look. Victor, like yeah, yeah, yeah victorious look. Yeah, I told you. Yeah. I told you. Um, so yeah, tell us more about this wine because it's very interesting. And John, what do you think when you tasted it first? I, I think again, I, I was going towards good quality. I would have probably lent towards Rioja or even possibly yeah. Ribera Diero, just because it's got. It is very powerful. Yeah, it's got good think. powerful, but good juicy powerful. It's not when I say powerful, it's not like a Bordeaux where they can be kind of restrained, tight power. This is very forward, really juicy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's got lots of again, lots of complexity, lots of notes going on in there. There's some definitely some evolutionary notes. Yes, like, very the age, dry, like there, there is some dry fruits in there as well. I would have assumed slightly older than it is. Yeah. I'd have assumed Rioja. And I'd assume more time in oak. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit of a banger, that. So this is 2016. I like that. Say that. Like, look, oh, Say that everyone again, needs to see Hage's <laughs> no. face right now. I taste this at the winery, and I fell in love with it. Uh, I thought to myself, yeah, this will work for my customer base. You know, because you get to know your customer base. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the price point is 15, 12 to £15. Pound. Retail. Yes. That's a really good point. Uh, it's a really good price point. Mm. And it's drinking like a... Twenty-five pound, like a reserve sort of style. Oh yeah, I put this towards Rocker Reserve with a with a bit of age or uh, a younger Ribera Diero, but again, good quality producer. So it's um, I mean, it sits in between the two. But this obviously, Castellón is a good bit more riper, so it's. It this sense. would totally get. Now, we, ironically, we were talking about you know softer cheeses, and you were talking about say a cooked sausage with with my one. This one, you want like roast beef. Yeah. Yeah. You know, roast beef, yeah. roast beef, like ultimately, you know, especially if you have taken the whole joint. Lots of pepper, though, lots of pepper, like, oh. a, good, like a, good, a good bit of seasoning and everything there, that would be delicious, yeah. Absolutely, so th- this is 
completely different. And if you look at the colour as well, I mean, it's proper garnet. Whereas the, I, I will have to pour back my other one, but the other one was obviously nice and ruby and fresh mm -hmm. and bright. But this is. I'm just, I'm just, it just feels like it's a more evolved wine than it should be for its age, which is not a bad thing at all. It's a really great example of obviously how they're managing the ripeness in Castellón and someone who really understands the balance. It. The and the it's yeah, it's balanced. Exactly right. It's perfect. Um, yeah, it was lovely when I, I fell in love with it. And um, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of this. And without any marketing, people don't really don't know this wine. Um, I've sold over a thousand bottles. Uh, well, in, I imagine, I imagine this is wine eleven if, months. This is a guaranteed wine. I'd say, like, again, from my experience, would be if someone bought this, tried it once, they keep coming back and buying it all the time because it'd just be become a. I mean, at a the price point, it's a go-to. It's point, a guaranteed. It's a guaranteed it's winner. A, yeah, it's a, at the price point, and also I'd say you know the area you're based in, or you know a lot of good quality wine should be based in. This would be what you know would be a house wine at that price point, but mm. over delivers. Like for, I mean, I'm a house wine for someone at home. Um, it's a good price point, like yeah. say. So, and it works. I get people come in. Oh, have you got the HB wine? Have you got the HB wine? And one one of my customers love it, and she took it to her parents up in Yorkshire somewhere, and they said, look, we can't find it nowhere. So it's going to be online as well at hbwines.co.uk. Um, so that'll be on there soon. So it'll be available delivery. HB wines or yeah, wines? HB wines for that. Oh, you're doing it for that wine? Yeah. And, um, Did so you bring it in yourself then? That's correct, yeah. Oh, okay, so that's from your wines. So that's going to be like national, but obviously it'll be on the Whopping Wines, which will be coming live hopefully within the next four weeks. Uh, keep, on on, keep, out, keep, keep eyes out for that, Whopping Wines. But don't worry. .co.uk or .com? Oh, .co.uk. .co so you say it's going to be. No, sorry, .com. For our non English, uh, sorry, for our non um, England based uh, listeners, Whopping is spelled Whapping yeah. because England and naming w -A -P -P. is. W A P P. I, I spent the entire time going to go whapping <laughs> wines.com <laughs> hey she's definitely got a voice for radio she's definitely I got a yeah. I think you really do actually so actually funny again I'm just going to get my wine dick on the table again okay I go on get no, your wine dick out because I've, I've you know been asking for feedback and some of the feedback has you've been, been very aggressive in this episode you've already been negative about something you get your wine dick out regularly what's happened you happens? were the one that introduced my wine dick and I li <laughs> I'm liking that and I'm going to keep bringing it out so the feedback has been very much that actually a lot of people have been enjoying the more educational side of our podcasts. So, you know... In, you have to learn something first to be educational, don't you? Oh, yeah. Let's hope, well, let's hope <laughs> I've learned something. Well, we, the, the thing that it just might be, I know that's very confusing for um, Rioja and for Rivera del Duero is the aging terms, right? So when people see Crianza... Well, that's just got a bit more confusing thanks to Rioja now changing their, their, change their labelling terms lately as well. Well, shall we just do with the first thing, and then you can now touch on what... I'm not going to go over it too much, because I the important bit. No, 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 it just... And I, the reason I thought of that is because this has been aged for three months in a place called La Mancha, which is re generally pretty hot and in the centre of, of Spain. But in terms of Rioja and Ribera del Duero, this tastes to me like a reserve. So a reserve wine... Well, starting from the bottom, Crianza would be one year in oak. And You're forgetting first step. Or Hobbin. Hobbin. Well, if you don't so Hoven, Hoven would be anything under six months in oak. Um, again, more common from somewhere like Alavesa. Hoven is also used in general Spanish terms. Would also be under six months in age. Then, Basically, a nice, Hoven means young in yeah. Spanish, so it's a nice baby but if, wine. If you go to Rioja, Hoven would be under twelve months. Just uh, yes, twelve months for Crianza. So I don't think it under. needs yeah, well, under under. It yeah. doesn't need, but it, the majority actually sees zero. Yeah, and of course, the majority sees zero by, by regulations. Yes. Again, if you're doing about in, in theory. You know, in theory well, I'm not, because this would still be called Yehoven. So not common. Would be. They chose not to use the naming, but they would yes, just be Yehoven. It would if they decided to put it on. But they don't want to bother doing it, because obviously, again, that would negatively affect their marketing. And then Crianza, John? 
Uh, Crianza would be 12 years minimum in... 12 uh, years. 12 years, 12 months. See, John is so complicating things. Sorry. Apologies for my... Should have just left me to do it. 12 months in Oak with one year in Bottle. Uh-huh. Reserva. Would be 12 months minimum in Oak with two years in Bottle. Exactly. And then Grand Reserva. Two years in Oak. No, wait. Three. Three years in Oak, two years aging. No, two years in Oak and three years in aging. Is it really? Yes. I'm going to Google. Yeah, three years well in done. Three well done. Well done. You're three years in the bottom. Is it really? Okay. Because yeah. Vinna Pamal do actually do a fantastic one for that. And again, that's generally the similar between Ribet. So it, it's very similar between General Spain, Ribera de Ero, and Rioja. Just Ribera de Ero a bit more tighter, and you have to a bit more aging when it goes to Reserva and Grand Reserva. Um, and uh, you also don't get any white Ribera de Ero as well. That's an important thing to say. You, white wine from Ribera de Ero doesn't exist. Did you know that they, have one, they, they have one. Great variety that can that can be no more than five percent in a red. Oh red yeah, that, 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 but you al, can't. You don't al, get any al, white. Albilo, albilo. Yeah, albilo. It's, it's a, it's a um, indigenous variety, I think, mm. to the region. But and there's so much of it planted that they allow it. But you only have a certain amount. It's used again. It's like seasoning, and to get the acidity up. So in those really warm years, they'll put five percent in. It softens it. it. I think exactly. Yeah. Well, it? So. Um, it's really important. Much we much we talk about about wines that are a hundred percent. Something probably on the educational side to understand is um, when we say this is 100% Tempranillo, we don't actually technically know that because by regulation standards in most countries, not all, and depending on where you are on the quality and the higher level, um, most regions in general, 85% has to be the vintage, grape variety, and region of what is labelled on the bottle. Uh, Chile is a great example of this. Sometimes I've tasted a Merlot and gone, there's definitely some cab in that because they're allowed up to 15% Cabernet Sauvignon that could even be any year older or a year younger than what they're labelling. Um, so it is quite important to always keep it in mind that as much as we say some wines are 100%, depending on the rules of that region yeah. um, or that country, there's a good chance that 15% could be either not the vintage, this or that. And actually, it, may, it makes you really need to realise mathematically how much of the wine could not be what it says it is. Mm. Um, the only difference that I'd say to that is obviously, um, as soon as you get to areas like um, Rioja or Ribera de Ero, their rules are stricter. That's why they carry a bigger name. Um, and why also there's a bit more consistency with their brand um, and then you see more and more regions take that up now where they're making the rules stricter same with obviously Burgundy is a great example of that um, where their Appalachian controls do mean that they do have to use 100% Chardonnay 100% Pinot but it's just a thing, important thing to note in general wine terms 85% of what is labelled what's labelled that wine 85% of that is true the other 15% yeah Unless you really know what goes in there, unless you've gone to that winery and picked it up and you're doing it yourself, you don't know. Yeah, and I've been to a few wineries that are like I'm like, what's in those barrels? And they go, ah, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think that is far more normal than people want to. <laughs> they want, want to, to believe. believe. Yes. Absolutely. So always take it with a pinch of salt. I think it's really important in wine. As much as we love it, it's great, it's fantastic. We want to buy into all of the story and everything else. Yeah, there's a little bullshit everywhere. As I always say to people, with everything we say, when we say this is kind of the rules, there's an exception to. Every rule, every rule, in yes. Everything in the wine world. So, uh... and talking of so we, so we, the, the first two wines we have, Spain. And what were you saying that when when I came in? You, what, what what did you say? H was so exciting about Tempranillo at the moment. It's funny how they're planting it in other countries and all other areas now. It's getting mm. quite popular. And uh, John has bought a fantastic wine to try now. Just he just poured it in the glass, and the colour looks amazing. So it's, I was waiting yeah, to. It's, Really, it's really dark, isn't it? Super yeah. ruby, but really, really deep. 
Yeah. So I was talking about the idea that Tempino can be more complex as a 100% varietal, and this is one I can say is definitely 100% in the bottle. Um, a Tempino, and I do think it's a variety that I've seen, especially in the New World. Like you see a lot of varietals, Melba could be a great example in Argentina. Um, I think Grenache, when you look at it in Australia and some other countries, being again a great example of how it's evolved and changed and being treated differently. Tempranillo is another great place that has a lot of potential. Uh, you're seeing it planted in Australia quite a lot now, making it lighter, fruitier, more acidic fresh wines. And now this is the opposite. Uh, we're going to the Zicardi Q. It's come from Mendoza in um, Argentina. And this is done in a more Argentinian Melbeck style this is growing. so chocolatey. This is like... But without it being very different in flavour. But you, it's grown in that same can way. Can you please give me the plums now? Because this has got plums. Look, I, I'm really feeling chocolate Some plums, plums to go with your wine deck is how you need it. Some plums to go with your wine deck. This is plums to go with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's rich, very yeah. rich, nice and rich. Quite very but, luscious, really full-bodied. But it's mouthful. not sickly. It doesn't hang around. The acidity's there still. So there's a good balance again between the acidity and, and it's why I still like. I like this grape as a workhorse because I think that with all its structure, it brings acidity. Yeah. And with that balance, it's out. So I'm not sat here going, oh god, I can't drink any more of that. You can keep so going. It's nice because you get the power on the mid palate, and at the end, it's just starts softening up. It's just really elegant. Look at that sort of. The uh, tannins stand. are very soft. I mean, actually, what, what I quite like about Tempranillo is. That the tannins are never really for me super aggressive as a grape variety. Um, so as a hundred percent, or sorry, or even eighty-five percent plus. According let's, to John, you know exactly. No, we're not. According to the sad wine truth. Um, so as a general, even if it when it's not really being blended, Tempranillo is actually does have that softness, even if it's a bit. It's, it's a rustic grape, I think I, as well. I, I think it's but... has to be worked right as well. I think so. The soft from Australia, you find some Tempranillos from there. And then they tend to be younger vines. They're making light, juicier, fresher wines you're picking earlier. I've never tried a Tempranillo from Australia. No? I, I've got a few I can recommend you. Tasmania, there's a few and a few other places as well. Penfolds as well does. Um, sometimes yeah. they do their special select wines. And I wouldn't recommend Penfolds, but yeah. Because I, I, <laughs> um, th this one, though, is the opposite example. And I think what Tempranillo is interesting about it is as the vine ages, how you should make wine with it changes. So this is all coming from old vines. When you say old vines, they get much more concentration. Flavours change. It goes a little bit more... Darker fruit instead of red fruit, as we're seeing in this with the plummier and darker notes, and even the colour on the, gra the glass. Are, they, are your vines as old as my vines? Um, I don't know the exact age of my vines, so I don't want to compete with your old vines. But, but I would say yours are quite old. I think mine over mine over deliver compared to your vines. <laughs> Ooh, I would like to point out this for me. It's not. Is, it's not. It the, it's super not. yummy, but it is a lot. It is more expensive than the other two wines. It is more expensive. Uh, this is a £21 wine retail. So but I would so I wouldn't... buy it for £21. So the winner is HB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to plug your own wine. I just, no, I honestly... The, H the HB is the wine I'd be drinking every day. The Discardi is what I'd be getting out to impress my friends. That's no, how what, might be my, uh, what I really my like about. about all three Tempranillos, regardless, is they're all completely different. Different. Um, the, you know, there is a consistency kind of, of, of fruit, nothing, no fruit, no fruit sweetness, no nothing. I don't. Nothing is jammy. I do, as I mentioned before. I think Tempranillo always has a slight rusticity to it, or a, but I think that's how you treat it. I think that's a lot about how you treat it. I think obviously seen with Roberto Viero, they've managed to work that grape in a way it's much more juicier consistently. So I think a lot of that's about not even just about where it's planted. I think it's also about how it's worked and how it's treated. Mm -hmm. And it's, these are three great examples. These are three different ways you can grow, yeah. show, and um, age. 
Sorry, Yinin is just doing a bit of yoga poses as we're trying to talk about I this. I was stretching just because of the way we're standing, and I quite I just wanted to. Sorry, lower she's, been, she's been off the floor for so many years; she can't stand anymore. So I'm not wearing just, the most. Comf- I'm wearing flip flops; they're not the most comfiest. But anyway, Can continue, please. Let's let's. Um, but I, I do. I, I think they, but it's a great, great example of how this grape is so malleable and so changeable. It shows a lot. It's not a grape I think sommeliers or wine people consider as a terroir grape, but I think maybe it's something that should be re-looked at, because it does it's show a terroir. Show, it's to show, I think yeah, it how it's a terroir grape. I think it is a terroir it's so grape, yeah. but I think, so. I, I personally, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think the soil is as important as the altitude and the sunshine. I think the sunshine... I think those two factors for me, which is why the plateau of Ribera del Duero at around 800 metres works really well because you're bringing it up so the diurnals are crazy as well during the night to keep the acidity higher but it's higher enough so it's taking all that sunshine, sunshine so that you know the skins can get a little bit more robust I mean to be honest the Ribera del Duero is always more powerful than Rioja anyway now has it been proven that it is a different clone of Tempranillo well, I, um, I don't think it's ever been set proven, but the problem is I, I think that would be so impossible to prove at this point because you look at how many clones, and as we've even said, Tempranillo seems to be very prone to mutation. Mm. So there are probably mutations of every clone without you trying. You know, the white, white Tempranillo wasn't created. It literally decided to turn up one day and went, hey guys, I'm here, drink me. Yeah. Which I think already shows that Tempranillo, compared to other great varieties that are regularly being used, is more prone to mutation. I mean, another example would be Pinot Noir. There's so many bloody clones of Pinot Noir, we can't name them all. Apparently, they think that... Uh, they, they, some people Who's say they? Is this the they? No, the they just, they. They, they, there's, there's, the group they. there's <laughs> evidence to say that Tempranillo has actually come from Pinot Noir. But it, then it there's also people it, saying it's no, not. No, 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 it could, it could, be, it could be an ancestral grape. I mean, Pinot Noir's, Pinot Noir's a bit of a whore. It's been the daddy of a lot oh, of grapes. Yeah, it's the daddy yeah. of Chardonnay. And then incestually mixes with it in its own vineyards. You know, when we make Game of Thrones in the wine world. And who said that wine wasn't sexy? Right, right. It's all Game of Thrones out there. Just go to Champagne or Burgundy. I think I think that I think it does show that Tempranillo is obviously a a grape that's probably very prone to mutation. So I'm pretty sure whatever you put in Ribera di is mutated to that regional style. Whatever you put in Australia or again, these are old vines from Argentina. These are probably more closer to the original Spanish. Mm. Any young vines cut off of this or made from this are probably going to mutate to be a more Argentinian clone style. As we've seen with Pinot Noir in America, there's a lot of very American Pinot Noir clones, there's some New Zealand Pinot Noir clones. They've all come from the original Pinot Noirs taken from Burgundy, but they've just mutated very quickly to that region. And then Pinot Noir itself isn't even a real grape variety. It's a clone of Pinot... It's a mutation of Pinot Blanc. So when you've got... I don't think vines... As much as we keep talking about clones and trying to do this, they seem to have a mind of their own and they keep changing their mind anyway. So they don't think they really give a shit what we think. <laughs> and it, that's not confusing enough. I was just thinking this would be good for people listening. We need to try and list as many of the names of Tempranillo that are in generally Spain. In Spain? Portugal? Portugal? Right. Portugal is a bloody nightmare. Well, no, Portugal, the two, the two main ones, you've got Tintororis, Indoro, which for Tintororis. anybody, yeah. is the Douro, which is famous for making port, it carries on to the Duero River in Spain. So that's where Ribera del Duero is. So there's two so. names for one river that you have to know if you learn about wine. And you've got to know about seven different names from Tempranillo so, just to have a base idea of Tempranillo. But, it, but it's useful. So Tintororis, and then also down in the south, I think in Alentejo, is um, Aragones, right? Aragones, yes. I think they're the two main ones yeah. in Portugal, right? There's another one leave. for up in north. There seems to always be a split in Portugal between north, centre and south. None of them want to agree or ever label anything the same. And as much as you tell them, guys, one name would really help the marketing. They're that like, cool, useful. that's great, not going to do it. 
<laughs> do you know the third group then? In... I don't know. I know there is one, but I know there definitely is. So in Spain, what have we got? In, in, Ribe in Ribera del Duero, it, they call it this two. Uh, Tinta um, Fino. Yep. And Tinta del País. Del País, well. yep. And that's not the same as the país that you find in Chile, though. No, it's, it's a different país. <laughs> <laughs> país on itself is a great variety in Chile. I know, but this is fun. I love this because even if it gets confusing, it just shows it's important to discuss. So Tinta del País and Tinto Fino, Fino is in Ribera del And Tinto Fino is one you find more commonly in País, yeah, tends to be less. They are two different clones, I believe, and that's how they, de they detect them separately. Would make sense. But... I've always been told by people that sometimes they just bullshit it. But that, which is also definitely a possibility. Then so, in yeah. Toro, the region which is actually going along the river and even closer to Portugal, you've got Tinto Toro. Tinto Toro, which is just... Makes sense. We that will make easy. our own great that's, variety. That's yeah. easy enough. Yeah, there you go. There's a, there's a Toro. Tintatoro we can see Tinto Toro. Ah, okay, yeah. So we're staring at a Tinto Toro. Um, yeah. Any more? Yes, definitely. Um, what else do we have? We have in Catalonia, they call it Ul de Gebre. Your best Catalonia just like to be difficult. Yeah, but for no reason yeah, whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> then, it's true. then you've got. <laughs> just, we have to give it a Catalonian name. Why? Because we're Catalonian, we must give it a different name. La Mancha. In fact, La Mancha, they, yeah. La Mancha of course, on, on your La Mancha wine, they've called it Tempranillo, but I think they call it Sensible. Correct. Sensible is right. great, but it's less and less. You. But the, what have you seen is more. They're trying common. to go. Everyone's going more to temperature. Funny enough, the ones which is the ones who are successful in regions that people don't know are the ones using the most common name. Are not pissing about using some stupid local name that they can't be asked. It makes sense. It makes sense because the end user who wants it, they don't know what they're buying, and mm -hmm. that's what I try to get people to drink is the indigenous grapes in here. They're like, what's this? What's that? So you have to explain to them and say, okay, oh, that was lovely. Mm-hmm. And it worked. So hence, when I went for this wine, the HBR made sure Tempranillo was visible because people oh, know because no. when they come in, it's, when once we say it's from like it's a Rioja style, it's a winner. I, I will say Rioja, from my experience, I've been out there travelling lately, um, especially in Alavesa, which I really love. Um, is they are learning very quickly. Uh, they have adapted to the single grape varieties much faster than we expected. There's a mm -hmm. lot of producers doing single grape varieties, so it's 100%. And a lot of them are naming it Grenache now, not Garnacha. Oh, really? They, just, they want to call it the French? Well, no, they, they, you've got to accept that. You, you're a smart Rioja producer. Your main market after Spain is England. What so you have to pronounce, you, you have to make it in a name that's pronounceable, understandable. And if okay. Tempranillo or Grenache is the great recognisable and I think that some a lot of people in Rioja now are getting a bit more over their pride and are getting and it is prideful and there's nothing wrong with being prideful I don't think there's anything wrong with that but again when it comes to business if you want to sell a large amount you need to put that label on there so a lot of them are now labelling Tempranillo Grenache what? Like labelling is a big key it's a massive, massive because key. People, people don't want to look stupid saying the mm. wrong thing and it's very different between what you sell in a restaurant where the sommelier can be there to help people or you can even I've put things on wine list and I've just said this is the name of the wine. It is a bum bum bum. Even though that's not on the wine label. But when you do retail, which is still unfortunately it's always going to be more than what you're going to sell in restaurants. So if you're looking at a bigger producer or someone who wants to break into a market, the label's got to sing a little bit. It's something I've really learned. I'm, I'm sure H knows this more than I do. But after more years' experience doing retail than I have, is I've learned it the hard way. Um, running a wine shop is I might love a wine, but the way the label isn't attractive. And doesn't appeal to people. It doesn't always just mean us to say everything, but it needs to be eye-catching in some way. People don't give a shit. Yeah, because doesn't matter what I recommend. When you want to start getting into labelling, you've got to look at all that if you want to label your own, on wines and bottles. I mean, um, Gina was talking about earlier on. 
it's a big key so you've got to get other people's opinions and when you look at uh, a label like this was designed by myself which I thought is you know should be done right to the wider market but look sort of cl uh, classy at the same sort of time we'll put the pictures up of the wine yeah. you can see H's I mean, label eye-catching labels are worked a lot with my own gin Sorry, plugging your gym. What's no, no, it was here. It was fantastic. I, it, it did catch my eye straight away. I was like, yeah. oh, that label looks quite powerful. No, John's gin oh. is pretty sexy. A gin less ornery. There is, there's a weird dog. <laughs> there's like a dog. Two with... Frenchies, because our owners have Frenchies. It's all based on us. So okay, then there the is. The whole 80s theme is because we, we have a lot of 80s music on no, in the shop. Like, like we're talking about labels. So straight away, when you brought in and showed me, I thought. Yeah, that looks that looks interesting. You know, I think I think almost the wine world could take a, an element from the gin world, which is I've learned again doing being a gin specialist is that so much is important about how the bottle looks. I, I can tell people go, this gin's fantastic, this gin tastes like this, this gin tastes like this. They go, yeah, but that bottle looks really cool. Mm. Yeah, it's not as much like that with wine. People aren't as worried about the the wine, but I think the the, the labelling and the look of the wine bottle is massive. Is massive. I mean, I think Spain need to, and especially South America, need to walk away from this whole having a big, massive, chunky bottle. It doesn't actually sell. People don't like it. It looks intimidating. Um, I think that having, again, Bordeaux have got their, their able set. They can look super classical. You know, all of that thing really works. But I think if you're either European emerging or South American or this, you've either got to try and mimic classical looking in the right way that doesn't look cheap, or you've got to look different and stand out. Um, and I think that's difficult. It's not, it's not, it's not easy. Talking of standing out... We were talking about the latest wine news, which is quite funny. Which wine news has made Are you the my metro. Spirit animal. She's my spirit animal. I like this. You, oh, she's your spirit animal. I feel after this, yeah. Well, like, her and that woman who's been drinking on the tube. Have you seen her as well? No. Who's the woman that's been drinking? So on there's the been tube? A, a late, a very glamorous lady who's been <laughs> caught drinking on the tube by pictures several times. And the first one was her drinking pink gin out of a wine glass. But she's doing it with sunglasses on, handbag on, like this, drinking. And then someone has snapped to drinking wine. She's drinking white wine. So, like, people are now keeping track of what this woman's drinking and where she's going. Oh, my God. Is this actually a thing? Is it yeah, it's a thing. It's a couple of... Because media? people keep finding it. Because the first one, like, was viral. And it was, like... It was, like people this, know who she is. But it, was, it was, like, oh, my God, this is the mood of London. A woman, like an early time of the day drinking on the tube but she's brought her own wine glass to drink it out of like, she hasn't she's, not, she's not drinking classic. out of the can classic. she's brought her wine glass and I go while I'm on the tube I'm going to get a quick pink gin in I, and the second time she's drinking white wine the only worst thing is obviously it sounds really sexy but for anyone who's never ridden on the tube in England they'll realise especially with our summer now Central this was line, before the summer, yeah. Uh, okay. The central heating line. I mean, we are talking Who we are melting. Okay, there's obviously the three levels zones. of heat. There's the sun. Just after that, there's apple pies and McDonald's. <laughs> and just after that, there's the central line. Talk about the youth days, apple pie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. How many times you made a mistake? You bite in. Yeah. That's what about my youth memories. Like, good what? Yeah. Yep, so, top tip for you if you're a McDonald's fan, as I am, I shouldn't be, but I am, is buy an apple pie to keep the McDonald's warm if you've got a long journey. You buy the apple pie, you put it on the bottom of your McDonald's, put your McDonald's on top, top. and keep it radiates so much heat, you've got a good 20 minutes. Stop your chips going funky. But talking about travelling, a lot of wines and products are starting to go into cans. I'm pro-can. I'm actually, I think that's, I think for cheap consumable wine, or even some medium quality like wine, I definitely think it's the way forward. Yeah, we talked about this in another podcast. And also draft, really draft becoming... wine. Um, yeah. Is it Borough Wine? Not Borough Wine. They do one as well, but it's another one, another company in, in London. I need to forget the name. I'm really sorry, I shouldn't remember it. Um, and I've looked at doing it myself with us. Wine in a keg, but quality wine in a keg. I do think that. But I, I do think the lower in the market, I think it's a much better way of delivering it. I don't think we need to have. If you're taking. Like, who here is listening to this has really ever gone, ah, oh, opened a bottle of wine that's lasted them two, three days? Yeah, we're drinking it very quickly. So, do you really need to. Even if you go to a shop, can you not go to a shop and put it on a keg into a reusable bottle? 
it's still last two days in that reusable bottle anyway, a white or red wine. I just, my only, I think it, I'm, I'm pro it too. My only concern is I don't want it to turn into a thing where people actually just drink from the can all the time for anything that's, if it's a cheapy wine, whatever. But I don't want it to turn into a thing where people forget how good it is to aerate certain wines. Or I know, I don't, I don't think, but again, glass. I think it's like, again, it's just to talk, actually ever talk as well, um, the buyer did a really good article on the effect of cannabis on wine. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's been a big effect in the US and this. And I, my, my point on it immediately was, um, as far as the evidence shows, it doesn't affect quality wine sales because people who are getting high are getting high to have the effect. People who are getting drunk are getting drunk to have the effect. It does affect Castello Diablo or supermarket wines or shit Pinot Grigio because people are going to drink less of that and do more weed or edibles or something else to get their get their get their kick um, or to get that effect of you know getting loose or enjoying their weekend. And it might be a more healthier option as well, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You, but they take. Yeah. The CBD, I think they say it's the TCH to take no, that yeah, out. No. Which we only have CBD available. There's a lot to all because obviously it's very obvious considering how much weed is actually grown in the UK that eventually it is going to become illegal. The UK is actually the biggest producer of med- biggest exporter of medical use marijuana in the world. He's, he's, um, he's and most of that can't be used in the UK, that's but we make more. Yeah. Yeah. And most Sandia. of that's owned, and most of that is owned by spouses or relations of Conservative MPs. So um, wait for that one to be passed before they get kicked out of government. Well, now it's funny because you we mentioned in I think episode nine you were talking about CBT being used in wine. Yes. And we you couldn't remember the name of the wine, and now we know the name of the wine because we're looking at a bottle of it, and it's called. Canna. Which is in Opium Wines. <laughs> Which you can find it. And I will at some point be getting some Twisted Cellar as well. It's actually really nice, tasty. It's different. So they have a red and a white. It's called Canna, as in C A N N A. Canna Wine. And you can go to canna wine.com and you can find them. And they're, ironically, both Spanish, aren't they? Hey? They are Spanish. So it's kind of, kind of appropriate for our for our podcast. But do we know what the, I mean, so it's, they're saying Canna 9, Vino Aromatizado. So, uh, like, aromatised. So, you know, they, the for, for what they do is they put the oil. So, most CBD is fused into oil. Unfortunately, I know a lot about this because my girlfriend works in the industry, so I've got to know quite a lot. Um, so, most of it's infused into oil, and they put the actual oil, they s- steeple the oil. I don't know, actually, this actually steeple the whole plant that gives off the CBD, the only CBD-infused plants, no TCA, um, into the wine itself. So, very naturally done. So, they're just literally steepling it and letting all the oil soak into the wine, and they pull it out. The white's interesting, it's kind of cloudy. Um, it doesn't really affect the taste too much. It definitely has a, a, an effect on it. More effect on the texture, that all you mm. note into it. Um, the red tastes more like a, you wouldn't really know. It's a 500ml bottle, which is interesting as well. So, they're definitely trying to keep it slightly Smaller. separate. It's well, not, CB, it, will, it would increase the cost. CB, doing the CBD effect isn't cheap. Um, yeah, okay. Obviously, it is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Um, you've got to have a certain milligram. Sorry to interrupt there, John. You've got to have a certain amount of milligrams to get in there. 30 milligrams per litre. Uh, yeah, 30 milligrams have an actual effect. Anything under that is useless. Unfortunately, you see a lot of shit products come on the market soon that are useless. Um, I stay away from them. Um, you want to look for stuff that's going to be higher than that. And you're doing sort of muscle treatments of that. You're looking at super high. I mean, like, I've used stuff now that is 540 on my muscles and stuff like that for after workout or things like that. Um, and they, they have an effect. Um, so you're, you're looking at anything over a 30 to have any real effect um, especially if you're ingesting and then if you're rubbing on some of that you want higher uh, but for an anecdotal someone who's visiting my aunt lately we gave her some oils um, and she's from America as well but apparently the oils my girlfriend got hold of were a lot stronger than what she's used, what she would have and apparently putting one, she put one on her ankle ironically it was actually from the Ignite brand from Dan Bulgarian as much as people hate me saying that but it's actually just being honest um, and she said she put it on her ankle and it was only a few minutes later and she was feeling no pain at all so, so it's I'm, it's amazing to see how much 
I, I personally, and again, he's being honest, I personally don't feel much from it, but I probably have a high tolerance to probably everything now. You've put too much stuff into your body. I generally have a thing on my medical record that he has high tolerance to anaesthetic. I'd be put under three times last time I went for but surgery. You do not want to wake up halfway through surgery. No, of course not, but no. But it's, I, uh, but no so one wants to have surgery. So I can't say, I evidently can't say that I think it definitely works, but what I can say, I know a lot of other people anecdotally have said it makes a massive difference. So I do recommend it. These wines as well recommend a retail for the 50 CL. And they've got, they got 50 MG in them. CBD, so they do work. So they are about thirteen pound fifty, roughly, which is really not bad at all. You know, if you want. So I feel they've done the smaller bottle to make it appeal more to a right. bigger market with the price point, which is probably because they want to make sure that people get to experience it. It's super cute. We'll we'll put up a picture on on uh, Instagram as well in the next few days, Social so you medias. can actually see what it looks like. But the next few yeah. days from now, or the next few days from this well, show. Well, as everyone knows, <laughs> we're not really sure when things actually happen and when they come out, but they come out eventually with us. Don't give me that look. I've had to do some horrible editing. I know. So don't pick on me. It's better late than never. Let us know. Does does our editing annoy you? Or is the content? Wait, why so are you throwing beautiful? me under the bus now? Listen, is that like? <laughs> just as I, you know, again, I'm asking for feedback. It's really interesting. We, people we, have come back to will, me and said will, educational is good. We will soon be uh, upgrading to a free mic setup. It's something we wanted to do for quite a while, which has been a little bit harder than I expected. Two mics have been easy. Three mics turns out is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will be upgrading to that soon. So we are working on the sound quality. As always, I've spent as Ginny knows hours sometimes having to fix. We can always increase John's CBD. <laughs> if, if needed. So I've got, I've got Thank my, you, I've, got, I've, got my I've got my, idea. I've got my pen here. All right. What's in your pen? Are you? Oh, hang on. Um, John is doing something weird. He's smoking some. It's a like, CBD infused vape. A CBT infused vape. I got it free when it's ignite parties. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so how are you feeling when you're sucking? It makes on a this? difference. I don't know. So why are you doing? You just think you're I've cool. Got, no one's, my, we're not even recording this. But this my is... back hurts. I'm hoping it's helping. <laughs> okay, but so far that's you can't. That's from all the editing. I don't know. Yeah, that's all the editing. Oh, you didn't talk about your beautiful spirit animal. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, we, 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 we went off that. So, um, a lady who was at the... Which, which races was it? Do you remember? The, re, re, the Rupal races. The Rupal the, races. The, 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 the Ripon, Ripon races. She decided to spill some red wine on herself. She didn't decide. I think somebody... Oh, bless her. I wow. think somebody... I love how you just jumped to Well, that. technically, I'm right. I think afterwards. somebody spilt red wine on her, and she so, was wearing a white jumpsuit. White jump... Right. Bad, yeah. bad right. idea. Yeah. But what she did... Her way of dealing with this was to then throw red wine over most parts of it, making it look like a pattern. Well, which actually, I think it was a it was boss her move. Friend, no, what I love about oh, okay. it, her friends, like, can you imagine friends like, right, get into the toilets. They stripped her naked. She stayed in the toilets whilst they took four more glasses of red wine, put that in the sink, took her whole top part and doused it completely. So the whole top part, you can look at this on the Metro, you can see on the internet, is completely red. And then they took the rest of the wine and they just splattered it in random places over the trouser part. So that then it was a complete, and and actually it looks really good. So she she carried that, Classy. Good friends. Can I Good just friends. say now, I'm sure you agree with me, if that had been guys, there would have been nowhere near that much support. We probably thrown a pint in their face said, man the fuck up, and then that would have been about it. Yeah. 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 When you're clothes, you worry about that anyway. You think to yourself, listen, mate, what are you doing? No, you know, when someone steps on your shoes, like thinking, on a train, that I'm like, I've actually, I've actually had a friend, a friend get really angry, he had spill on his top, and one of my friends goes, don't worry, I'll fix that, and just ripped his shirt. <laughs> I don't know which people you're hanging around with. They don't sound nice. I'm glad I'm, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not in that circle. I think H would actually prefer to have friends like this girl. Dude. Look, I you, think you, you would... don't you don't know the circles H runs in. No one knows the circles H runs we in. Nobody's we nobody's ever going to know man the circles. Mystery, yeah. Exactly, international man of wine mystery. I'm just a hard worker. Uh-huh. Just a hard shopkeeper. He's grafting. He's grafting. We like it. But no, he doesn't open till five o'clock. What's he doing all those hours before? Yeah, guys, listen. I mean, this is a really good shop to come to, but don't come like normal working hours because there's know. a reason. Because I'm a, I'm a family man. 
Are you? I'm a, I'm, I'm a father. You're telling and I'm, too many secrets now. This is the key. secret. It's the key. It's the key. My, my family come first. You've got a little one, haven't you? Oh, God, he's just got. He's got every 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 like two of our female listeners now going. Oh, oh H is the best. <laughs> no, it's just this is my honest opinion. I, I want to spend time with my child. And... But unfortunately, ladies, as much as he sounds rather sexy right now, he is off the market. So uh, they always are, aren't they? They're always, they're always the good the ones. Area. Always <laughs> are. And on that note, guys, cheers! Thank you so much, H, for coming. Yeah, most welcome. And Thank talking you We've enjoyed uh, chilling out in this overly heated uh, container. And well, we're going to open up the door now and get some air in so we can breathe again. Oh no, that's disgusting. I've been on the tube all day. I'm sorry, out. everyone. Uh, maybe he'll cut it, but I doubt it. No, it's sweaty bullsack. I've become the neighbour's podcast. Like Please don't name people. this sweaty bullsack. Um, thank you very much, H, and uh, join us again. Please let us know what you think of this episode and your opinions. And look out for online store www.whoppingwines.com. That was so Someone sexy. give him a radio job. He's better at, the, uh, better at this talking than we are. He really is. Thanks so much. See you next episode. Bye. Bye.